1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of In the Eye of the Hurricane with Head Coach Youssef Shakir. I'm your host, Chad Choate. Thank you for joining us this week again and every week as we talk Manatee Hurricane football. I'm joined, as always, here by uh, a little damped Coach <laughs> Youssef Shakir. Coach, thanks for coming out.
2: No problem. No problem. Yeah. It blessed us today with the rain today, so kind of all this week, really. Yesterday was burning up, steaming. Yep. yep. Monday, it was raining so we just off and on
1: stayed off and on. overcast most of the day today so gave yeah. the guys a little reprieve there but the grass will be green on friday Always. so <laughs> uh let's jump into uh talking about last week uh our win versus um uh coconut creek big victory 44 19 over over coconut creek um give me a, your give us your overall evaluation of how the game went after after the weekend watching film and, and breaking that down oh uh, okay
2: well, came out a little bit slower offensively you know we um we got bogged down on that first drive, then the second drive, we got bogged down again, and uh, we just just had simple mistakes on that. We just got to be more consistent as we come out. But from there after that, you know, we just, we started clicking and started rolling. Uh, but they're good though. I don't don't that's that's probably you know outside of Lakeland probably the. The best defensive line you know we've seen this season so uh they're very good they're very talented you know have two division one kids up front on the defensive line and um you know anytime your defense the defense gives you basically a heavy dosage of man you know there's not a lot of open windows in the passing game so uh we just had to get settled down and then had to get comfortable uh, but the defense played well early <laughs> on you know besides the you know, the, the, we, 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 yeah, mix up on the coverage on the first touchdown uh, between the kids. But other than that, though, I think kind of held them in checking out uh, special teams-wise, we were controlling the field position. So I felt good about that uh, going into it. And, and really, I knew the offense would get going, uh, especially, you know, with the running game. And we would, once we got going, especially, we were able to get the running backs really um, getting some good running lanes. The offensive line did a great job. We rushed over 200 yards. Uh so that's what really that's the biggest thing I was really pleased about from Pride tonight, really. That, that running getting the running game going and really our first game when we had uh, all our backs healthy in one game this season.
1: Well, we talked about that at the end of the game uh, on the broadcast, and, and touching based on what we talked about last week during the podcast was their front seven were seniors, really talented, and probably the best we were going to see. And and lo and behold, it's, it's, it's our best running running game of the season so far. You attribute that to having, you know, Napoleon Harris almost goes for 100. Um, Phelps Tyson Phelps almost goes for, for 100. Maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then, again, the freshman, Jamil Williams, adding maybe 60-something like that, 60, 70 yards on there. Do you attribute to having more horses now, getting out there, having more guys in the rotation, keeping everybody fresh?
2: Well, I think it's, uh, I think that's part of it, but I think also just the continuity of the offensive line working together. and you know, we lost three offensive line starters from last year, so basically that's six percent of your offensive line. So we, we really going into the season, I knew we was going to take time for those guys to gel and really get going and really start working together.
1: Um, Other than the run game, you know, the passing game offensively, it looks like Jace has hit a good stride here. We've talked about it on the broadcast live during the game and and after the game. Um, Very similar, very similar to uh, to performance against Lakewood Ranch Threw for about 150 yards, something like that. Um, But what is it? What does it say? You know, last week, Corbett, you know, Went off and, and had a 100-yard game um, receiving the ball. Then then this, year, this week it was um, uh, Iron Jackson for about 100 and a touchdown. What is it – how does that help when you've got two different receivers that, that Jace feels like he can rely on? It? And to be honest with you, I think Jaleel could too if he had a chance and and other receivers as well. But what does it mean to for him – uh, confidence-wise to know that he's got a couple guys back there that are going to do big things like that?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is that he he's able to run the ball, so he has security inside of that. And then that changes the coverages and, and what you can see. You're going to get some one-on-one matchups because people are going to try to add that eighth and ninth guy into the box when we can run successfully. Then when we throw successfully, I have to pull one of those guys back out of the box. Uh, and the thing that I enjoy about it the most, really, is that we have two playmakers uh, one on each side of the ball and we have J- Jaleel working in the middle of the field uh, with his quickness and his explosiveness so I think now you have to defend all parts of the field and that's what makes the offense really special and really can improve and get better.
1: And and, and even talking a little more about that I saw that this week it looked like and, and maybe this was in weeks past and, and I just didn't didn't realize it but it looked like we're putting um, not only um, Jaden Corbett but also some of Iron- into slots different positions rather than just the x or just the y and really being able to stress put some stress on the defense especially
2: yeah we've always tried to we all try to move our guys around in different places so then you basically can't you know set a defense or set a coverage up to really kind of high low or bracket those guys in any kind of way
1: I like seeing Jaden in the in, in the slot because he's going to be on a linebacker that's probably not as athletic as him, and um and and with his size and length, I think he's he's extremely dangerous as as is uh, Iron and Jaleel and all of them once they get the ball in their hands. Defensively, um, we did a pretty good job getting pressure on the quarterback. That was a big thing coming in that I saw from Coconut Creek. The offense obviously ran through the quarterback. He was a leading rusher, obviously a leading passer. I, I don't know what he got rushing-wise, but didn't seem too much. Seemed like we bottled up those big plays um, that he really didn't have any time to really scramble and make a big play, or even on the zone reads and that sort of thing, make a big play. What was that attributed to defensively um, for us to stop him?
2: I think the kids did a great job of understanding their formations and, and how they try to attack you out of their formations. So I think the kids did a great job of lining up correctly and executing their responsibility. And I think the defensive line did a good job because they were very good in pass. Blocking, up they were big up front. Uh, you now, yeah, those guys were bigger than what I thought. When I, th- I knew they were big, but just to see them in person, they were a lot bigger uh, with that. And so I thought our kids did a great job up front, using their hands and really becoming active and trying to reset that line of scrimmage.
1: Is there anything um, you know, as we're kind of hitting the middle of the season now, hitting to that home stretch? Um, with with four games left in the season, anything you're tweaking offense, you know, I mean not offense, but just practice wise, routine wise, do you kind of get in that lull of it, it's it's almost monotonous to maybe change some things up during practice or anything during preparation? Are you one of those we're signaling preparation? You know, they got I, us here.
2: I I think you always have to evolve, and I think the the teaching component you just want to show the progression of things and show them how doing some of these small things that we do every single day improve. Uh, it's a, I actually watched a video the other day of uh, Greg Popovich and you know the NBA is in training camp right now and he was just he was talking about with his team you know never get bored with doing the basics you know never get bored with doing the fundamentals because he was talking about that as the season gets on you know people start to get try to lax and get comfortable with some of those small things so he said if you always make those things an emphasis early on you know that they, that they get excited about the bases and the fundamentals those things because usually when a team loses you know oh we got to get back to the fundamentals, we got to the bases. so I just always felt the head coaches never get away from them you know just walk, this just, just practice those things and just just show them how important they are because kids you know it is like say it is them or not that's just natural for Sure. People. Uh, but I just think when you emphasize and you show them the importance of it and, and how they've been succeeding off of it and doing those things, I think that reinvigorates them and keeps one of them to continually doing it at a high level.
1: Tell me a little bit about uh, you know today's Wednesday, so the Wednesday practice. Um, it seems, and, and I know every Wednesday it's like this. Tell for the folks that can't come out to practice and see Wednesdays. What is it, uh, the, the period towards the end, we, we do some, some situational periods, I'm assuming. What are situational periods do you do, and why do you feel like that's that's something that's that's good for practice for our guys?
2: Well, at the on Wednesdays, we practice goal line, and we try to be very intense with it, uh, and then after that, we go right into two minutes. So basically, uh, after we finish our, our scale period and our team period, we do a lot of goal line and, and going in period. That's kind of, on Wednesdays, we want to make sure we emphasize, you know, we must eliminate scores on defense and on offense we want to be able to score the ball so we practice those red zones in those situational times during that period and then we try to get them very tired before we go to two minute because of the fact that that's where is that in the game you're going to be tired, and this is the moment where you have to make sure that you execute and do those details correctly uh, then of course, we do pressure kicks too uh after that, and we do what we call the final four uh where we have to basically it's four final four is basically four perfect plays at the end of the game that that we know, and that these are the things, practices is how we practice, and this is what we do. And and it's basically, what Wednesday is, it's basically almost a dress rehearsal for Friday so your kids know and understand every situation we're going to be in and every tight situation, what we're going to call, how we're going to call it, and because we want to be second nature when it becomes Friday night.
1: Talk about that perfect kick. I I love watching the perfect kick. Um, you know, it's just the place kicker and the holder and the snapper out there, I think. Yeah. And um, the whole team's around them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're able to pretty much do whatever they want mm-hmm. to to those three guys. Spray yeah. water, yell, scream, whatever. Um, what What is that? I mean, in your years past, how, how does that help, you know, getting it? And we'll talk to, yeah. to um, your assistant coach, uh, Coach Schultes, later on about it, too. How does it help the, the kicker really become not only the kicker, but mm-hmm. the snapper and the holder? to be able to drown on everything else on Friday?
2: Like you said, Virgis, just drown out, you know, eliminate the noise and just, and just focus on your task at hand. And because in, and in that moment, it's at the end of the day, they're tired, everybody's relying on them to be successful. And that's what we want in those pressure situations, that those kids just focus out and just, just focus on the details that matter. And when they do those things, everything is good. All right, well, uh, that's it for covering uh, last
1: week's Coconut Creek game. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these quick uh, messages uh, from the station. And you're listening to In the Eye of the Hurricane with head coach Youssef Shakir.
3: Champions aren't made by sneaker companies, social media, or television networks. Champions. Are forged by Florida's merciless summer sun. One more sprint ran in the sand, one more set of bench presses, and one more hour of rep after rep after rep until perfection is reached and character is made rock solid. Coming soon, the Hurricane Champions Foundation will provide the resources needed to cover the cost of special projects and gear needed to ensure that our hurricane athletes. Participating in all sports have the resources and opportunities they need to match the size of their hearts and the depth of their dedication. The Hurricane Champions Foundation, supporting Manatee High School athletics. Our champions are made. Details coming soon. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everybody, to In the Eye of the Hurricane with head coach Rusev Shakir. I'm your host, Chad Choate. Joining me now is one of the uh, assistant coaches here on staff, uh, Coach Phil Chaltis, who coaches the um, special teams and the kickers and punters. Coach, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me today. Um, let's just get in a little bit about, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if everybody out there knows who you are. Um, give us a background. Alumni, of course, graduated uh, in 2009, was on the 08 team, correct? Um okay. And uh, you've been coaching now for here for... This is my ninth year. I thought it was nine. I yeah. thought it was almost double digits here. You're getting almost. old. I mean, That am. means you're getting old. Yeah. Um, but, but tell us about a little about your experience here. Where did you go after and then now coming back, how is it coaching here to, at your uh, alma mater?
4: I uh, graduated here in 2008 and uh, went up to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to play for Wisconsin Lutheran College. I uh, was there for about two years and uh, decided to return back home and uh attempt to finish my education down here at state college of florida and from that point um i joined the uh, southwest florida gladiators which were uh formerly known as the brains and gladiators and um been, uh, it's a mi- minor league team right correct yeah. here correct. In we, play out at we got a lot Park. of a lot of alumni of a manatee that play for that team uh yep jeff charlton Bon bean uh two of our guys right there that are actually still playing uh Bond's been on that team for quite some time before, yeah. <laughs> before I could get there. Yeah, and, uh, he's older than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, he's, and he's still got it. He's, oh, he, he does. Got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been teammates for a while. We actually uh, we won the championship in 2015, uh, 18, and 19. And Fantastic. Right, right now, uh, I actually uh, just retired from playing after from high school to minor league through college and everything. 15 seasons consecutive. And, uh, Congratulations. Even, even, as a, <laughs> even as a kicker, you know it's, uh, it puts uh, hurting on you after quite some time. Uh, you know Robbie Stevenson can definitely uh, <laughs> put on for that, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know we just did that, and then in 2011 we had a uh, place kicker here by the name of Nicholas Tankersley. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him before I left for Milwaukee, and uh, he uh, he was he was doing really well, and he had some rough patches at the beginning of the year. And I got a message from uh, Joe Kanan through uh, Dennis Stollard saying, can you come in and, you know, give him some pointers. And uh, after some time went by, uh, you know, Coach Stollard would say, you know, can you come by tomorrow? I said, sure. And then then it turned into uh, Coach Canan saying, can you come by tomorrow? And I said, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, I have have nothing else going on. And uh, before you know it, we're in the playoffs and I'm still here and, Memories are coming back, and I'm like, man, I love being back here. I I love Manty High School. I've been coming to the game since I was in maybe kindergarten, and and my parents have always sat in the same seats behind the section H, behind the tuba is about two rows with the backs. And um, that turned into us going to states. And um, originally I wasn't going to go, and um, one of the assistant trainers uh, came in or – not trainers. I'm sorry. Like, who assists uh, Dennis with all the equi- equipment management? Yeah. Um, Pat, he had a thing going on at State College of Florida for his education, and he said, "Do you want to go to state championship game with the team? I can't go." And I, I always think about Pat every single time when uh, Bright House, which now is Spectrum, they would show the game on TV. I always thought about Pat every single year. So I thank him from the bottom of my heart, and um, got to go and experience something as great as that game was you know shutting out uh that game and it was it was fantastic so um here we are nine years later yeah and uh, goes by quick doesn't it 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 went by really quick (laughs) i mean i was just talking to one of our photographers from friday night and um i was listing off probably a good number of kickers we've gone through in the past and uh billy was just shocked You know, he said, you're starting to sound like an old coach. You're starting to name everybody (laughs) from 2011 until now. And um, it was great. It's been a blessing. It really has been. I'm very thankful for um, not only uh, Coach Stallard and Coach Canan getting me started, but, you know, Coach Booth coming through here, uh, you know, and then Coach Shakir coming in. Every opportunity when a new coach comes in as a a volunteer, you get nervous in the off time if they're going to let you go. Sure. They want to trim back a little bit. And um, just been very thankful, and you know, Manatee County and everything, letting volunteer coaches come in still and you know, help out with football programs.
1: Good. Uh, that, that's good. So it's it's always you know when you have the alumni come back to coach, it's always it's always better because you we're locked into that tradition. You know, and Correct. I say we obviously as alumni myself, and, mm-hmm. um, and it was my dream to, to coach at MIT, and um, and so I love being a part of whatever I, I can do and the broadcast and stuff. So I, I know your sentiment for sure. So, let's talk a little bit about about kickers are really a different breed and and i mean that in a good way i mean that in a good way no it's true (laughs) um and tell me a little bit about just the art of of coaching kicking um obviously there's technique in it but is there off there's also got to be some psychological um coaching in there as well so just just tell us your philosophy on coaching coaching the kickers up kickers and punters when i say kickers
4: well um you know with what you were talking with coach uh early on and um It has a lot to do with from who we're playing. Um, Do you play another sport? Do you play soccer? Do you golf? I I used a lot with uh, Andrew Zink who came through here. Um, You know, it it just, you have to really think about other sports, you know, from what the pros do. And we try to encourage our guys, especially kickers to um, watch NCAA football, Um, you know, turn on your TV to, um, a high school game that's on that is really has a good crowd like St. Francis and uh, so on and so forth. You know, and we just say, you know, in your head you have to imagine that our stands are packed, and you have to tune out every single thing. It is for the holder, it is between you and the snapper. For the kicker, it's between you and the holder. For the punter, it's between you and the snapper, and that's it. You know, we've had tremendous crowds here in the past i believe um in 2009 uh, when i was up in milwaukee um the year we ended up being saint thomas aquinas yeah i mean
1: that was that was a ridiculous amount of people
4: (laughs) i mean and and i was here in 06 when we played saint thomas and um i remember looking at uh spencer hodges and uh i looked at him as he getting ready to walk out the goalpost, and i said spencer i'm nervous and he looked at me and grabbed me by the jersey and he said you need to calm down, okay? <laughs> It'll be fine. I got you, I'll block for you, you got this. And uh, so we, we reminisce about little things like that in the past. So for example, when we play the tune out stuff, when we play Lakeland, when we were supposed to schedule, we were supposed to play them, I believe it was two years ago, we got rained out here. And last year when we went over to uh, Lakeland and then this year, it's, uh, it's Charles, we call him Tuna, our snapper, um, you know, on the field, and we have Nicholas and we have Axel, and I'm yelling top of my lungs. You think the kids are in trouble, and I said you got to tune me out. And I'm just, I'm yelling at them. I'm telling them things that the other team's gonna say, especially sure. you know, the Dreadnoughts very, very uh, confident group of guys, especially as of late. And um, they want to get in the kicker's head, so I try to help them drain it out. If Axel misses a kick, I say, well, what got you? He'll say, oh, coach, you took two steps forward towards me. Mm-hmm. So we work on we yeah. work on little things like that. I put scenarios in their head. Um, you know, we, we work on them on sideline drills. You know, I, me and Coach Tal would tell them to go to the sideline, and we can be on the far hash. We can give them 10 seconds to run out to the field because, I mean, you've been in games like it. I've been in games like it. You have to get out there. Sure. You know, and as Manti, we're known as a very, very fast team over here. So we uh, we work on little things like that, you know.
1: Just talk about, about the the current group that you got, you know, especially the kickers with um, with Axel Lafro and, and um, Nick Bigelow and, and and tell us, give me some strengths. I mean, you know, Axel's been doing it for four years now. Of course, three years on varsity. I believe his first year he was mm-hmm. he was on JV. Mm-hmm. Um, Bigelow, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's he's was he a football player all four years. I I don't I don't recall. But give us a little insight on on them and and what their what their strengths and weaknesses are.
4: Um. Axel, let's start with Axel. Uh, when I saw Axel kick for the first time, I knew that we were going to have another Bigfoot come through this team, and we've had quite a few. We've had Nicholas Tankersley, we've had Jonathan Hernandez, um, Nick Knoll, who is actually our current record holder right now for distance on field goal. Um, you know, we've had Daniel Daniel Reyna. He came through, and um, you know, I, Axel Axel's. I start with Axel's. Uh, the only Axel weakness that we have is um, his plant foot. <laughs> that's it. I mean it's Axel is so concentrated since the day I met him. He from he barely spoke English the first day I met him. Yeah. And he's from Francis. If, yeah, if everybody didn't know that. I mean he, he is just so focused. He finds a target. Um, when we kick away from the school, you know, he uses the power pole we have behind the field goal that's been there forever. Um, used to be covered by palm trees mm-hmm. and um, when we kick towards the net you know we haven't picked a spot on the Davis building or I believe it's the uh, science building on the other side or not science building I'm sorry um, the tech building or whatever it's yeah. on, you know and um, Axel is just he's just always been focused nothing really phases him I've, I've I don't think actually in nine years I've ever had anybody more focused than him um, the only thing that he has a weakness of is um, his plant foot, you know, plant foot's a really big thing. It's, you know, driving your hips towards a target really saves him. But you're a senior um, Division One guy by yeah, far. Yeah, for sure. And um, that that's, that's the only thing that I can honestly say is, you know, he just we, – we can't change that thing about him. But he wants to work, and that's the strength I think he's got. He wants to work. He yeah. wants to put it in.
1: He's always going to camps and always doing you oh, know, the yeah. extra stuff for sure. Oh yeah,
4: I mean he's he's he actually is joining the the traveling uh, college group, you know, going around different schools now and um, meeting coaches. That when you know the time's allowed, and then um, he comes back. You know, he wants he wants the record. He wants to he has to hit a 55-yard field goal to uh, have the school record, and he works so hard for it, especially days like this where. You know we got a little bit of rain and you know we get that wind at our back and of course as kickers know you know you get really hungry for that long field goal <laughs> um but you know he just uh you know that's that's his thing is he just really wants that he really wants that opportunity on you know, kickoffs you know people who come to games they see he hits a few line drives and he doesn't come to the sideline and get upset he just says well what did i do oh he's wanting to learn and he, and he takes it in and how many seniors really still do that at, sure. this, at this age? And he takes sure. it in. And, you know, this is the first time I think I told him last week, I said, this is the first time I don't think I've yelled at anybody because they want to learn. They want to know what they did wrong. Sure. And, um, you know, moving over towards Nicholas, um, he's the same way. I can't recall, you know, and this sounds so bad to me, but I can't recall if he played freshman year. I think he's a three-year guy. Uh, <clears throat> he's, uh, he's the same way. Um, weakness, I think, for Nicholas is uh, he is a soccer guy, so it, his drill work it's it's kind of like the best of both worlds. He's a soccer guy, right? so he has that leg speed. Um, but I think the weakness that he has is he gets tired pretty fast in practice. Right. You know, game time they're both locked in. Sure, of it's, course. There's there's no weakness when it comes to game time. Those lights turn on here at Joe Canan Field. I mean, it's he's he's they're both locked in, but. Um, you know, they get tired and everything because, you know, we do have longer practices uh, since Coach Shakira has come in. And they, to teach the kids that the game is shorter than what practice is going to be, It's practice is a lot harder than what the game is going to be. Um, but Nicholas, um, that's that's the only thing. He- I, th- I thought he's, he's gotten a little more success
1: with – Going back to the regular punt style, correct. Yeah. Then the rugby style, I think the rugby Agreed. style may have been just a little bit because he doesn't play goalie. I don't think.
4: No. At soccer. No. doesn't. No, so a, that's right. probably
1: a natural, correct. a natural kicking, yeah. you know, for goalie. Um, but I thought he's done a great job, and that that goes to, I, I was talking to Coach Akira about it earlier, you know, in the podcast. We really haven't had much returns on us, and no. and I don't think really, but after Lakeland, um, I don't recall really anything significant. You know, nothing more than five, ten yards. Yeah. Uh, a punt return that goes a lot towards to to <coughs> Nick, of course, getting in a, a great hang time mm-hmm. and letting his coverage get down there.
4: Yeah. Um. You know, as everyone knows, we did the uh, the rugby style for a while, and um. You know, down here and you know our, our our field, our grass is so long, and it's hard for people to believe that that the ball doesn't get that roll like you see um when like Florida would run it or LSU would run it. Sure. Um, and that's where we got the idea from was from SEC schools. Uh, me being an ACC fan, i yeah. uh, But when we went to the traditional style, um, that's something I think is Coach Stollard's strength. You know, we had big legs in the past like Dan Watson that could just hammer the ball and then go to the – within the last nine, ten years, you know, Tankersley and so on. Um, but Nick was given the opportunity to kick traditional – and the work ethic that he puts in for that is incredible. Nick didn't touch a ball today after we got away from the team. He, um, he went up and down from sideline to sideline, working on line drills, coming straight. And um, he probably did that about 10 times from sideline to sideline, knowing that he wasn't going to hit a ball today. And um, it has benefited us so much because his hang time went from, it, believe this or not, three fives, which is really nothing. That's You're talking Division III punting. His worst punt hang time on Friday last week was probably 401. Yeah. His best punt was uh, 4-3. Yeah, I thought it was uh, I mean, 4-4, yeah. He's, and, and, he, and they both had the drive to go play college ball. And I told Nick last week, I said, you're punting like a D1 guy now, believe it or not. Yeah. I said, even if you get redshirt, you're punting like a D1 guy right now. And it's helped us out so much besides obviously week one we had those, playing a great dreadnought team obviously. Of course. But- just the the fact that our it's giving our guys so much time to get downfield, get past the guys that are trying to block them, and just get in the returner's face. Yeah, it's just unreal. Yeah, no, it's come a long
1: way. It's been it's been huge, and it's something that we've that we definitely notice after you know we made that change, and it's something we've talked <laughs> about um, on the broadcast many times, and you know especially even something we we, we hold pretty um, pretty high here at mantee We've we've had great kickers, great punters, and and of course return guys and things like that, and so we expect nothing more than than that from from this Friday and and the rest of the the year. So thanks for coming out, Coach, and Thank and joining us on the podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break with more of in the eye of the hurricane with head coach Youssef Shakir.
3: Champions aren't made by sneaker companies, social media, or television networks. Champions are forged by Florida's merciless summer sun. One more sprint ran in the sand. One more set of bench presses. And one more hour of rep after rep after rep until perfection is reached and character is made rock solid. Coming soon... The Hurricane Champions Foundation will provide the resources needed to cover the cost of special projects and gear needed to ensure that our hurricane athletes, participating in all sports, have the resources and opportunities they need to match the size of their hearts and the depth of their dedication. The Hurricane Champions Foundation, supporting Manatee High School athletics. Our champions are made. Details coming soon.
1: Welcome back to In the Eye, the Hurricane with Head Coach Youssef Shakir. I'm Chad Choate. Joining me again is Head Coach Youssef Shakir. We talk about uh, this week's opponent, Sarasota Sailors, coming into Joe Canan Field at Hawkins Stadium for our second um, district play, uh, district game this year. And uh, they're coming in with a five and two overall record, coming off a victory last week against Sarah, or uh, against uh, Southeast twenty four to seven. Coach, just give us your overall feel about the Sailors. You know, what do you what do you have from them? What do you expect for them, from them coming into Friday night?
2: Oh, well, of course, the, the quarterback was out a couple games injured, but now he's back, and so has a game under his belt. And then they have, of course, the tailback Paddy out uh, of USF commit. Uh, so they have two very talented kids that basically gonna touch the ball about every play. And so you just got to make sure we have yeah, a heavy run team, like a 70% run team versus pass. I think that's a little skewed a little bit because the quarterback has been out. Uh, so I think it's going to be a little bit more balanced y'all, like they was this past Friday night against Southeast. So we just have to make sure we come out to the responsibility of football and just limit the big plays and I think we'll be okay from there. But that's that's of course easier said than done.
1: Sure, of course. So we'll get into the offense. Their offense first. Looks like it's a lot of seniors. Yes. Um, which, you know, for for coach, you know, Spencer Hodges, second year in and, and you're obviously familiar with this and only being third year in here, you know, for his seniors, having that class, that first kind of senior class that goes through they're the ones that's really setting the momentum for the rest of the time he's in. He's he's in there as head coach.
2: Yes, definitely. So, uh, and you know we haven't had a real large senior class since I've been here, so we haven't experienced that yet. We'll experience that next year. Uh, so, but for them, definitely, the majority. I think they only play like four underclassmen at all. Yeah. Uh, I think the majority is on defense too I believe they are like nine scenes on defense and like eight on offense so they're they heavy singleladen team so those guys have played a lot of football that's the thing you don't go against experienced teams you got to make sure that you make that you come out and execute and do the small things correct because they are
1: uh so you, you, you mentioned there in the in your in your overview there they're run heavy team I think it looked like 72 to, to you know, 28 or something like that so it's pretty heavy that and it may be skewed because of the because of the uh is it the Sears, their head their their quarterback i believe is his last name he's been out a couple of weeks but um brian batty is still there of course and we we faced him last year at Braden river when he was there at Braden river what does he bring talk to talking about his his strengths and and what do we have to do defensively to be able to to stop him
2: very explosive runner, you know. Very, very great open field, and has top-end speed. He's a Division One commit, you know. You know, when we talk about a running back. That's what you want. You want a guy that can take it the distance and that can get those tough, tough yards. And that's what Division One running backs look like. Kind
1: of reminds me a little bit of Napoleon Harris. Maybe a little, obviously a little bit bigger. Yeah, nothing. But very similar with the explosiveness. And he gets a crease, he goes. Yes, very very similar to Napoleon. And and um, getting Napoleon back, obviously you you could see his explosiveness and and what it's doing for our run game. Um, what about the quarterback? Yeah, I know he, he he played last week back last week Mm -hmm. um any difference from him physically playing last week that you saw in the film from when he played in the beginning of the year before the injury
2: no not really okay he's a tall kid so he sees over
1: everyone yeah i think he is like 6'7 yeah yeah
2: he's a tall kid yeah he he, he stands tall back there and he throws the ball high so you know we got to really get next to him and really get into his body for us to be highly successful against him
1: um, uh, they run a spread though, very
2: similar to, to kind of what we've seen pretty much all year. I
1: mean, anything anything you see from them that we haven't seen that maybe you know defensively we're going to make sure we need to well, they, to be aware of.
2: They have a 21 personnel team, 21 and 20. Uh, so in that 21 personnel, they try to do a couple of things with the wing, what they some people call the nub back, uh, which is a big kid. You know, he's about six two, six three by two twenty, two thirty. And so he kind of leads in there. For, that, for their tailback, so they really try to dominate you at the point of attack uh, inside of their run game. and They do some counter, uh, some inside zone, and some iso off of those things, so they really have an inside. Then they try to RPO off of it, too, off the edge. And, you know, the, the, the quarterback, is easy for him to RPO because he's so tall. He can see everything. Yeah, he yeah. sees everything, so he, he can really get those throws out. Like as compared to the kid last week, at Coconut Creek, you know, he was trying to do some RPO, but he wasn't as tall. And he had a lot of his, and his linemen were. So that's why a lot of his balls were ending up high because he had to get it over that first level. But this kid is throwing down. So it's a whole totally different aspect to it. Um, Defensively
1: for the Sailors, like you said, they've got about eight or nine seniors starting there. And it seems to me, um, especially from statistics, and, you know, statistics are who you play as well. it looks like they've got about 14 sacks, about 65 or 63 tackles for loss. So that tells me a lot of pressure, a lot of guys getting across the line of scrimmage, making plays in the backfield. Um, is that something you see from them defensively? And, and on the flip side, how do we prepare for that as an offensive unit?
2: I think the front four is very active up front. Uh, and the linebackers play downhill. Uh, they really play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And so that's really – because they really play a lot of two shell and some three cloud. So uh, their real secondary really isn't highly over-involved. Their, their, their box guys, at front seven, really try to control everything in there. And they try to control you with that aspect. So those guys have to be downhill, have to be on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, I know,
1: you know, we've, we've seemed to not have a whole lot of great success running the ball – uh, against teams that like to blitz and do those run blitzes. Last week, I really didn't see too much of Coconut Creek blitzing, um, a whole lot. What, what do you see from Sarasota? they going to go back to maybe seeing film where, where we got guys, you know, they're coming through A-gaps, B-gaps, clogging holes? Yeah. Or you think they're
2: going to kind of hold back and, and wait? I think that's what everybody's going to do, do the, against us, to be honest with you, uh, and try to make us one-dimensional.
1: Yeah. Um, Also in the scouting report, I read you know you talk about special teams. They've got a couple great returners. I think I think Brian Batty is one of them. Mm -hmm. I don't know who the other one is. He's the track kid. Okay. Super fast. Okay. Um, I think he plays a little bit of wide receiver in DB if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you see from them? Is it is it just their skill? Is it is it a scheme that they do? Skill. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you got the guys, you got the guys. Um, What do we got to do on on our side? I think I think our special teams has been great past couple weeks. Uh, One with I'm. You know, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what our punt return yards are um, against us. You know, I, I don't think they're very good. <laughs> uh, Bigelow's done a great job in that. Um, so, what do you see from our special teams that maybe gives us a leg up on on them? I know. I know you said we we could be expecting maybe some returns stuff like that.
2: Yeah, uh, those guys are. They're special and for us we just have to play with great technique and great effort. Uh, I think that's all special teams is really just great technique and great effort. And our kids and our kids really take pride in it. And we just have to continue doing that and continue pushing those things.
1: So last thing I want to touch base just on, you know, first rankings came out of uh, (laughs) for playoffs. You know, look, look, I'm on the other side of the mic now. So I'm allowed to talk about some of this stuff that when you're coaching, you didn't necessarily want to talk about until it was there. But we saw obviously, you know, the significance of who you schedule and also who your opponent schedules, which is a little different thinking. So, I mean, what is it really, to be able to see now what this formula looks like It's the first time we've seen it, and we got a ways to go before it all gets sorted out, and we don't need to talk about where we're at and where's anyone else at. But what does it really say to, and we've already talked about your philosophy of scheduling good opponents, mm-hmm. but not only just to see where you're at, but also for this point system?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you, I just, I, me personally, I kind of just focus on the whole just win on the field, and win you your district games, and and play tough opponents and just keep getting better every week. Uh, it, it is paying off, you know. <laughs> I got a lot of interesting texts last night. Oh, I'm sure. Some other coaching Across the river, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, not from there. <laughs> oh, okay. Not just people throughout the state of yeah. Florida. You know, I used to be on a couple of those committees, uh, and so a couple of those guys was just, you know, trying to find some insight into some things. Uh, so it was very interesting. It's it definitely sparked part of some conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially, you know. Because uh, some people, some people out there, some dominant teams out there that's, you know, that's really ranked real low. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, you know, I think that's the hey, – one thing that's interesting about it is, you know, an the opponent's record for this year, you never know what's going to happen with another team. You know, you can just kind of schedule them off what they've sure. for. Injuries exactly. can major, injuries cause a huge issue. Yeah. You know, if a team has a big-time quarterback and he gets hurt, And let's say, oh, they have a big-time running back. He gets hurt. That season can easily bottom out. And you just don't know how that goes. And so... It's interesting.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting, no doubt. And I, this is probably a lot of the reason why they did it. They did it probably to get some interest going and get some peak, You know, who knows? Um, no. <laughs> but uh, but it, but it'll be it'll be good. Look, the bottom line is, you win your district games, you win all of them. It don't matter about the yep. points at the end of the day. You'll be top four and you'll you'll be a district champ. Uh, before we go and end it, I want to I want to give a shout out to to a reunion this weekend. 1989 yes. state championship team, 2009 you know state finalist team mm-hmm. coming back. When those guys come back and they're able to, and, and you may be able to get some guys at practice maybe during the week and, and maybe even tomorrow as they come into town or what, whatnot, what does that, what, what that really truly be I mean, You've been a part of programs probably. You brought, brought uh, reunions back like this at, at Lincoln and stuff. What what does it do to the current players um, as far as bringing those guys back and, and letting them know about that tradition
2: and, and that sort of thing? Well, I think it gives the present kids another level of appreciation because you can talk about things, and you can have banners and things, but until they really hear the emotion in guys' voice and how they talk about it and how they feel about it and how it is adjusted and change their lives, then they have a totally different respect for putting on that jersey. That's why alumni is so important to have inside of your program and have around your program and have coming back to your program. That's why I've always been a huge proponent of guys that's coming out. Everybody I always mean and I like, hey man, just come on out, just talk to the kids, you know, just tell them about your life. Because that's now those people now become real to them. Because sure. a lot of these kids, well, let's be real, you know, 2009. You know these kids were seven, six, sure. five sure. years old. Yeah. Know. They may not know these guys if they're not connected with them, if they don't, if they're not family members. And you know, eight and nine, of course, you know these kids when he. I was five. five.
1: I was five. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm the flip. That's that's me. That was me growing yeah. up. And I was I pretend like I was Kiki Freeman and Chris Bilkey, and I, I wasn't half the athletes yeah. they were, but I pretended like that in my in my living room. Exactly. Um, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be good night. It's gonna be good. You get those guys out here, and and, and hopefully we, we put on a show for them, and um and in the in the night for those 89 and the, and the 2019 really well, coach. Well, thank you for coming out again today. We look forward to seeing everybody uh, Friday night, 7:30 kickoff for the Sarasota Sailors. As always, thanks for tuning in, and go Canes, go!